All right, guys, welcome to the Guest Life Podcast, episode 18. We got big Matt Farrow here. Um, Matt Farrow is a financial consultant for IG Wealth Management. Uh, Matt also used to be a fucking Hulk um, <laughs> and a, a fitness professional to say the least, but um, he was a staple in the fitness industry. So we'll talk about a little bit about his journey, um, how he used to train my uh, out of shape body um, and, and whip me in. Um, and yeah, guys, just uh, thank you so much for tuning in. We're on, uh, if you guys have an opportunity to hit the like and subscribe button on YouTube, um, obviously follow us on Instagram, send us some love. Um, we're at episode 18 now, which is, which is a little bit wild, but, uh, it's amazing to see kind of the impact that we're making with, um, the people within our community in Hamilton and also just getting some absolutely quality people on the show, which I think is, it just sets us apart. Um, you know, thank you so much for tuning in all the listeners, but also, um, if you guys have any comments or, or any ways that we can improve the show, we'd, we'd love to hear it. So Matt, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I've known Matt, uh, coming up on five years now. Um, originally I met his brother, Nate, um, and, uh, and Matt ended up, uh, training me at good life when I was kind of down and out. Um, and I, I needed, I needed a push. And so I went to the biggest, strongest guy I knew. <laughs> I love my shirts before we even met too. So you had, we had support from uh, day one. Yeah. And now, uh, now Matt works at IG. So we're going to, we're going to talk a little bit about his journey and kind of get right into it. So and I'm excited, man. Happy to be here. Yeah. So, uh, where, where did it all begin? Yeah, I guess, like you said, I started off in the fitness world and then that kind of eventually led me towards finance where you know I work with IG now which has been an absolute blast it's crazy to think that I'm already in you know my third year which is wild um got a pretty great team that I'm working with there I love the fact that yes I'm working with a company but it's still my business right so I still have a great team of specialists that are behind me you know I have a wealth specialist a tax specialist an insurance specialist a mortgage specialist so it's great just having a good group of people a well-rounded group of people that are helping me with, uh, you know, putting together all encompassing financial plans for my clients. Um, so it's been, you know, it's been great. You know, I've built a great book up so far. Um, it's just the beginning. So I'm excited to see, you know, where it takes me going forward. Yeah. So one thing you'll, you'll learn in this podcast is Matt's a pretty humble guy. Um, he, he, he doesn't like to brag or boast, but um, he, he's definitely, you know, talking about personal finance. I know myself, we're, we're you know, Matt's helping me right now just work through like day-to-day spending. I know for a lot of people, it's a, it's a challenge, especially with credit cards and and just payments being automatic and online shopping, especially it can get away from you so quickly. And I'm, you know, I'm definitely someone that that's happened to. Um, So how do you find people in terms of them opening up to talking about their personal finances? Yeah. Like uh, talking about finances, probably like the toughest thing for people to do. It's just that one topic that people just kind of, you know, keep close to the chest. They don't like opening up, especially to a potential stranger or someone they don't have that kind of relationship with uh, just yet. Um, so I find just being like genuine and sincere with your conversation with people and, and letting them know that like, hey, I'm not trying to sell you something. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to, you know, provide a solution to a problem. Um, goes a long way and it allows people to open up to at least the idea of having a conversation with you. So I'm not trying to pry and, you know, dig, you know, on day one, it's just a matter of seeing who you are as a person. A, do we even mesh? Like, are we compatible to be, uh, to have a client consultant relationship? 
And then just building from there, showing them kind of work that me and my team do, what we've done for people in similar situations. Um, and then hopefully they're able to find, you know, some correlation there. Like, hey, you want to know what? This makes sense. You know, let's sit down and discuss this a little bit further. So I find the softer approach um, has worked a lot better for myself. And I think it makes my my clients and the, the prospects feel a lot more at ease with eventually disclosing that information to me, which also will help us build, you know, a little bit more of an intricate and complete financial plan. Yeah. So, and you really do, right? Like, I mean, I think for a lot of people, you just avoid the conversation because it's, for me, it was embarrassment, right? It's, it's hard to hear you're overspending or, you know, you're just, you know, going off the rails. I remember, uh, I quit drinking. So I picked up smoking cigars like, you know, it was like coffee and cigar instead of beers. Yeah. And I think my, my it was $1,200 a week on the cigars or, I'm sorry, no, a month on cigars. Guilty, I joined you for a couple <laughs> of <that. laughs> But, um, you know, it's like, well, okay, I'm not, I'm not spending money on booze and I'm, I'm trying to be more healthy. Well, you know, smoking cigars and spending money on cigars might not be a you know double negative. But I think it's interesting once you see it on paper. And I think for myself, anyway, talking from experience, it's a little bit of embarrassment. Um, so I think, you know, you've done nothing, but, you know, and, and I know you, um, which helps a little bit, but I think there's also that little bit of like, I don't want my buddy to know that I'm overspending, but you made it so comfortable of a transition. And again, that's what I'd like to go back to your fitness. So when you started in fitness, I mean, I remember, you know, I was a big guy, but I was still strong and, you know, you always get that kind of discomfort of, am I going to, you know, have to ask someone for help? Yeah. So I think, you know, let's, let's talk a little bit about your fitness career and how it allowed you to kind of, he's got, like I said, he's modest guys, but absolutely destroy the beginning of his IG career. Yeah, no, for sure. It's, it's crazy to think that how it was, like I said, it was a lifetime ago almost, it feels right. Cause I was in the fitness industry for 10 years. Wow. So I built like a good business there, a great following. Um, I think I started when I was 20. And what were some of your accomplishments in that industry? Yeah, so quite a bit. It's even it's funny because I didn't even intend to start with it. Like I didn't think I was going to go into competing and all that kind of stuff. I was just like anyone else at Good Life. I was a hundred and fifty pound noodle, right? <laughs> like I had negative muscle. Just seeing these like godlike people at the gym, you're like, okay, that's something I can never get to. Just just based on my body type, and then. Eventually, I was just like, you know what, I'm going to give myself a goal. So I said, you know, next year on my birthday, or at that time might have been 20 or 21, I want to do a show, you know, just for the heck of it, just see if I can do it to test myself. So I did it, and then I ended up placing third in my first one, which was, like, awesome. And then, you know, like, I'm sure anyone else who's competed will tell you, like, once you have that experience once, like, you kind of just get addicted. And that kind of opened the door to a career I didn't anticipate I would have. Yeah. Um, so eventually, yeah, like I said, I competed, you know, over the course of 10 years, won my pro card at, you know, 23. <laughs> and then that experience, you know, took me to, you know, a platform where I was, you know, world ranked competing in Vegas, the world championships on pay-per-view, like just stuff I would never have guessed or like had envisioned for myself, like yeah. prior to, you know, me deciding to do the first one. So it was just wild to see, you know, how something, a door can open and then, you know, it's almost like a rabbit hole on YouTube, right? You just, you just go. And then you look back and you're like, well, where the heck did that come from, right? I didn't think I'd ever, you know, be down here, but, you know, it was, it was pretty awesome. Some pretty cool experiences along the way too. And it definitely helped me, you know, build some characteristics, which ultimately helped me be successful with where I am now too. Yeah. Well, I'm sure that, you know, I've, I've been, 
involved with some people in the fitness industry before and like the dedication and the meals and the planning and the hard work, like, you know, tell us a little bit about that day-to-day process that obviously brought you to where you are now, which is, again, we'll get to it after, but absolutely thriving in, in a completely different industry, but very much the same, you know, goal oriented atmosphere and, and driven, you know, driven focus with, with some, you know, awesome planning. Yeah, I think that's exactly what it is. I think that's why even when I had my first interview with IG, just where I kind of even self-realized the characteristics that I was going to be able to carry over and why I think I was going to be successful was was just that, like having a hard deadline and then being able to scale it back to see what do I have to do between, you know, now and then to get there, like what kind of things do I have to put in place, uh, what things do I have to be stingent on, which sacrifices do I potentially have to make mm-hmm. um, in order to be successful. And I think you know, having experience with the fitness industry and knowing that I'm able to push myself to limits that I haven't, you know, been yet ultimately allowed me to, you know, kind of just push through with the finance thing and just say, you know what, like I'll be able to get it done because I've done, you know, other things before, regardless of whether or not this is familiar to me. Yeah. At least had some belief in myself, also believe in, in what I do is huge. Uh, but ultimately just kind of just jumped in and just kind of just believed that I would be able to figure it out. And, and walk us through, we were talking just before the show, we were talking a little bit about some of the sacrifices you were making while you were still training people full-time, training full-time, and studying full-time. Yes, yeah, like, that's kind of like where, yeah, like I mentioned earlier, like, in retrospect, you look back and you're like, how the hell did I do that? <laughs> or did I find time for that? But, yeah, essentially, it was even, yeah, it's, it's odd how I even got into it because I was training a client at the time who was a division director with IG. He knows my dad, so he knows where I come from, he knows, like, my knowledge base. Um, and we always just talked numbers and, and finance. He's always like, Hey Matt, you know, like, do you plan on being here forever? And I was like, honestly, no. Like I kind of started to lose my passion at that point for it. He's like, why don't you come meet my boss? And then, you know, just talk things over. I think where I work now would be a good fit for you. I'm like, ah, I got nothing to lose. Right. So I met the regional director at the time. He's still our, our director now. And in the interview, I started to realize, you know, how many things were transferable, like skill sets, planning, talking to people, building your business from nothing, things like that were, you know, the same kind of characteristics that they were looking for. And so I was like, you know what, like, I'm realizing now that I don't have to go back to school to do this. I have to do, you know, after work programs, get my licensing, my certifications. I'm like, okay, that's fine. I'll, I'll find time to do it. So let's, let's move forward. So I gave myself a year to, to get everything in place. But like you said, I still got to earn an income. I got a mortgage to pay. I got car payments. I got groceries and all that kind of stuff. So it was tough because I still had, you know, 12, 14 clients at the time that I was training. I couldn't really tell management that I was leaving soon because I didn't want them to reassign my clients. And then that's less income for Matt, which I don't <laughs> like. So, <laughs> so every week I'd have to go into training uh, at IG, which means I have to go home, you know, put my suit on, go there for training for an hour, drive back. But because of my client base, I could only, you know, a lot, maybe an hour and a half, hour 45 for like that full transition and that was from Ancaster to Waterdown and then Waterdown back to Ancaster. Uh, and then there's more than a few times where, you know, the sessions ran long in terms of my training at IG. And I had like, you know, 12 minutes to make a 12 minute drive and I'm still wearing my suit and I can't walk in there with it. And yeah, there's a few times where I had to, you know, fully change on the highway while driving. <laughs> and like if you can imagine like me putting my suit onto the hangar onto the side rack there, my socks, my shoes, my pants folding up properly because God forbid I, I wrinkle my suit, getting changed to the, you know, my good life attire and then hitting the parking lot with like 30 seconds to spare running in, like hitting the next six clients and then going home, studying for two, three hours, going to bed and doing it again. 
And so like at the time you don't think about it, you just do it because it's a necessity. That's what I have to do to get, you know, this done. Yeah. Uh, but looking back, you're like, oh man, like that's pretty wild. And then and that's kind of like, I use that when things come up now and it's just like, can I do it? And then you kind of like, that's why it's always good to kind of reflect on what you've done mm-hmm. to be like, okay, well, I, if I can do that, like I can do this. Yeah. I, th- I think taking the time to self reflect in terms of, um, one of the tools I was using was, you know, five, if, if you're doing your planning it was five years ago, could I imagine to be where I am today? So if I'm planning five years out now, let's look back five. That was insane. Can't believe that growth. Let's look up five. Let's let's start getting insane with some of our projections, right? Let's start thinking yeah. bigger. Yeah, like it's the conversations you had five years ago, you would like were minuscule compared to what you're having now, right? Like the conversations that we have now when we meet is something I wouldn't have envisioned, you know, two years ago, three years ago, because you just grow naturally and you kind of don't see how far you come, which is why I always think it's good to kind of hit pause, you know, look at how far you come, not just how much further you have to go. Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of gives you a little bit of self like motivation to realize, you know what, I've come a long way. Like, don't just look at how much further you have to go, but like kind of appreciate, you know, where you are in the journey as well. That's amazing. So talk a little bit about, so now, you know, we've hit the fitness career. Also, just so you guys are aware, he's wearing a suit today, but this guy is a moose. Um, you know, I, I used to watch him uh, row a dumbbell on top of a dumbbell, which is like just I've never seen that before, so I was pretty impressed. Uh, also a little concerned. <laughs> this suit would not have fit on previous Matt. <laughs> yeah. um, but you just, you know, I love being able to experience kind of watching him grow um, because, you, again, like, you, you know, there's always that, a little bit of self-doubt, but uh, probably a lot of external doubt as well of, okay, yeah, like how many trainers talk about getting on a training and then they, they just train forever. And I think that's a lot of, um, we talk about overconsumption and, and then taking massive action which is like an Ed Milet phrase, which is, you know, just take massive action, take massive action, which is just doing it. You, you put yourself out a year and look where you come in a year. So now you get into IG. How does that work? Because I'm pretty sure you had what, zero income? Yeah. So like, cause I stopped <laughs> training people. Like I figure if I'm going to go in, I'm going all in. Right. So I, I managed over the course of the year knowing that, you know, my first couple of months is going to be, you know, minimum income because there's no salary, right? Your book of business is what pays you. And at the early years, you don't have a book, right? So I built a bit of a buffer for myself, which was uh, reassuring to a degree. Uh, but it's still tough, right? Because there's still, you know, a couple months, you know, you start off, you bring in your warm network, you know, your friends, your family, the ones who, you know, are ready to move over because you put those feelers out. Um, but then you have a couple months where it's it's new business and you have to go find. So you're, you know, you're starting from scratch, which means there's nothing coming in. So there was a couple months there where like, I'm negative four grand every month. But if I'm doing nothing and that's the result, that's an issue. If mm. I'm you know, giving 110%, it just hasn't panned out yet because I'm in the early stages, that's fine. Because at least I know I'm doing actions that are eventually going to reward me. Uh, but the fact that I was able to build um, such a network when I worked at Good Life, you know, saying hi to 100 people a day for five years, uh, building a good following on social media with people in our community as well, and people just knowing who I am and just being a genuine person and wanting to help some people. Yeah. When I eventually made that switch over after putting out those feelers and saying, you know, hey, I'm making this transition. Do you mind sitting down with me, having a conversation, just seeing what I'm doing now? Um, that, you know, went a long ways because people kind of expected it when I approached them saying, okay, hey, I've now moved over. Um, it'd be great to grab a coffee and just show you what I'm doing now, right? Whether or not I get your business is kind of irrelevant. I want you to be able to refer me with confidence, you know, should someone ever, you know, need my services at the very least. 
fortunately, a lot of them did become clients just in seeing kind of what we're offering and, and what we're doing. But the skills that I had from training in terms of, you know, you have to go out there, you have to find your own clients, you have to build your own business, you have to scale it yourself, uh, is the exact same thing you have to do with, with IG, right? I'm still planning. It's just now instead of, you know, planning for someone's, you know, fitness and health and lifestyle, it's, you know, their finance. So it's the same conversations. It's just a different topic. So I was able to transition nicely, but it was still like a huge challenge. Like you said, there was no income. So I had to go, I had to go find it. There's no bigger fire in your ass and like having bill payments and nothing's coming in. Right. So I enjoy that part of, you know, you, like you're going to make what you go do for yourself. And so I like that. Um, but it was absolutely as challenging as hell. Right. And there's a lot of self doubt along the way. Being like, did I make the right decision? Like I'm used to doing really well. And now like there's goose eggs on that balance and like, that's not nice. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just a lot of kind of remind yourself of what you've done. Yeah. And as long as you're doing what you need to do today, it will eventually come around. Like business is not instantaneous. You know that like things you do today may take months for them to eventually close, which is fine. That's just how business works. But it's just a matter of always being on top of it, always, you know, connecting with people, always making sure like you're, you're hitting your touch points, you're following up and eventually you will be successful. It's just, you know, it's a bumpy road, but like as it should be. Yeah. Yeah. If it was easy, everyone would do it. Obviously that's, that's the big saying, but, um, I love the, the term patiently aggressive. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, patience is one thing, but I think it gets misconstrued with laziness a lot of the times. Oh, I'll just have some patience. It'll come. It's like, no, not for me. So um, I know you probably don't want to talk about it, but let's talk about some of those successes that you absolutely <laughs> smashed out of the park in the first couple of years. Because I think, you know, it, it's, it's how do you put it into context? And for the listeners out there, you talk about just hard work and, you know, one year turnaround times, one year until you're going to do your first show. Like, I think those timelines are so important because we're talking about, you know, if someone's going to make a jump or someone's worried about it and we ask the question, like I said in the podcast, why not me? Why not now? But also like just take the first step. Yeah. Come up with a plan. Take the first step. You don't know what the next 15 steps are going to be, but if you don't take the first one, you're never going to get there anyway. So even if you're going to fall, you know, the Denzel quote, fall forward, but like, you know, tell us about it. Yeah. Like it was. I went in, like you said, with nothing but my list of, you know, 200 people that I wanted to contact. So I made that before I started with IG. These are the people I'm going to initiate first, right? Who knows what the hell is going to come from it? Just those are my starting points, right? And like I said, patiently aggressive in terms of even though I knew some things would take time, I was still out there outreaching like crazy to more people every single day. So I had like a, I had a set amount every day of outreaches I want to do to new people, whether it's LinkedIn uh, you know, texting, calling, emailing, whatever it may be. Yeah. You've been really, uh, really active on LinkedIn. Yeah. And you have to be right. You gotta be consistent as, as fuck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can't stop. <laughs> like you have to. So like, and that ended up, I think being one of the major points of my so far success, hopefully continued success is that I'm consistent with that. Even though when things are going well, still do the things that you were doing when things were not going well. So like your pipeline should never be empty regardless of how well you're doing yeah. or how busy you are. Because at some point you're not going to be busy and you're going to wish it was full. So I think it's just a matter of always being, you know, consistent with your outreach, trying new things, um, whether it's, you know, in-person events, going to other people's occasions and causes and their events, meeting new people was huge. And then fortunately, um, a lot of the stuff I was doing was working. A lot of it didn't, but you know, you, you can't succeed unless you fail a little bit, which is fine, right? You learn what doesn't work, what does work. And then me just being in, yeah, my, you know, second or third month of my third year has already gotten like, yeah, the first four years of awards, which is like nice to have that recognition. 
And for me to have that kind of that, I guess, internal motivation that what I'm doing is working, but there's still room to improve, obviously. Yeah. And I think like, you know, like you said, he just slides it in there like so calmly guys, but he won <laughs> in his first year, you won your second year award. Yeah. I, and I, now you're in your third year and you won your fourth year award. Yeah. So I think it's, it's just so you guys can understand like the context of tearing up. It's like, you know, they, they have awards so people can win them, but when you're absolutely blowing them out of the park, it's based on consistency and hard work and dedication. I think it's an amazing story to tell coming from, you know, to hard work, dedication, where you absolutely smashed it in the fitness industry to correlating to that, like in the finances, it's a com completely different realm, but that, that work ethic and that grind, like it's not, it, it's hard work, it's dedication, it's consistency. Yeah. And I was like more or less surprised when I got the words, cause I'm not really focused on whatever their benchmark is. It's more so like, where, like, what are my goals? And then when I get the email, I was like, Oh, I'm like, that's pretty cool to see that. But like, it's not my driving force. It's not like I want to get that award. It's like I want to achieve like a lot more than just, you know, whatever the fourth year award is. There's a lot more I want to do, but it's nice to know that at least I'm on the right path. Yeah. And then I got recognized for it. Not for anyone else, just for myself. I mean, yeah. to realize that what I'm doing is, is working so far. And then it's always nice when, you know, other people ask me in the industry in the first couple of years. I know I did a presentation for the first three people, I think, out West. Um, it's nice to have that kind of reassurance that other people want to hear from you who are in the same position, which is nice. And giving back to that, you know, the people in your industry, which is your community, right? And, like, um, I think a big uh, misconception is that people want to keep their secrets to themselves. I find that the more successful people I speak with and talk to, the more, like, open knowledge they just want to share. I think the big divider is, is that they don't want to repeat themselves and waste their time. So I think, you know, if you ask, you know, for anybody listening – go out and ask those questions to those people that you admire, look up to, or, or, or a mentor for you. You'll be pleasantly surprised with how open and honest they'll be to tell you all their secrets. The hard part is acting on those secrets, right? You still have to do the work. No one got rich quick. It's not a thing. No, yeah. And the, like the award was nice, but the best part for me was exactly that. Like it put me at, I got to go to a couple like award lunches where I was at tables with people who were massively successful. Mm-hmm in my region, uh, guys who were, I aspire to get to that level. So being at that table allowed me to ask those kinds of questions, in which case I can bring back to my practice, you know, for me to become better. And then kind of just going back to what you said before and, and being able to share the information, um, you know, there's no need to keep everything to yourself. You can't have everyone's business. If you did, you'd go out of business, right? Like I yeah. can't, I couldn't have 10,000 clients right now, right? Yeah. That'd fold. <laughs> you, can't, you can't hold that. So you know, share your knowledge, which is why I loved when they asked me to do this, like the, uh, the presentation for the, you know, the new consultants out West. Cause yep. like if I can just share what I've done yeah, and you know, mistakes I've made and successes that I had, and that helps them fantastic. Cause I know I appreciated that, um, when I was in that position, when I was in my first year, like hearing from people who were still like a year or two ahead of me, but have had I've seen success. Like that's more relatable than someone who's at, you know, 3000 clients and $150 million book their actions are probably a little bit different than someone in the first year. Mm -hmm. I want to get to that point. So it's good to hear from someone who's successful in and around my area still. Yeah. Those stepping stones. Um, so what's one of the biggest questions you're getting from your clients in terms of like, I don't know, general questions. Like, do you find that a lot of them are like very kind of entry level or are you finding people know a little bit more than expected or, or are you finding it's kind of a variance? Yeah, it's definitely a healthy mix. Like people who you'd assume have their finances like in order and, and, and know kind of what they're in 
don't have an idea what they're doing and you'd be surprised, you know, people who you wouldn't assume have a clue, have everything under control, right? So it's... I'm the first one. <laughs> it's a healthy, it all looks good from the outside and then you get in it. It's a healthy mix though. Like, yeah. and, and that's like the beauty of it too, is that you can help everyone regardless of where they are on that spectrum, right? Like whether, you know, you're a business owner who's been around for 30 years or you're 20 year olds out of school, like having your first job and you're on day one, all you have is debt, Right. You're going to have questions that pertain to your plan, whether or not you have one already in place. Uh, but usually once we show them what we can do, there's like the simple question is like, okay, how do I start or where do I start, right? And like the answer is just a conversation, right? It's just a matter of let's sit down, see what's important to you. Like what do you have in motion right now? Like where do you want to go in the next couple of years or long term? And then we start our planning process. So the most common question is just how do we start? And it's easy because it's just a matter of just sitting down and just learning about the person, which I think is huge, especially with, I know my practice and IG is, it's not just a matter of, you know, how do we grow your money and like just focus on the dollar value? How do you get from A to B and be as rich as possible, right? Because life's not linear like that, like stuff's going to happen in the middle, right? So, you know, how do you engage the client more? Like what's important to you? Like, what do you want out of life? Like, do you want... You know, rental properties. Do you want to go on vacations? Do you want to set something up for your kids, right? What happens if there's a second kid and things like that? So being able to, you know, provide someone with like um, an adaptable plan that can accommodate for life's changes is huge. And I love seeing that, like that stress relief for people where you show them this is what a plan looks like. And you're like, by the way, this is not what it's going to look like in 10, 15 years because, you know, stuff's going to happen. <laughs> but like having something that's flexible and that, you know, they can be involved with is huge. I know like, you know, back when you hear your advisor, you hear from your advisor once every year or two, maybe, you know, RSP season comes around, like, how's it going? I'm your advisor. Whereas I know I do an OIG that kind of encourages, you know, meeting with your clients, you know, quarterly. So my clients are always involved in the process, which makes them involved in their finance, which makes them, you know, understand what we're doing and why we're doing it. Yeah. So, you know, they're able to ask more questions, not just what are we doing, but hey, what happens if we do this? Or, you know what, this came up. Let's throw it in, right? So it's just about starting. And then once you've started and you have a plan, it's very easy to adapt and accommodate for, you know, the things that life will throw at you. Yeah. I was blown away um, just to give some context from uh, a user perspective was how much work you guys did in terms of overall um, overall finances for, for my personal it was nice because it was, yeah, it was it was all the different aspects of my investments and it wasn't just like, give us your money and us manage it, which I think a lot of people have the misconception of, which is kind of, um, oh, I don't have, I don't have investing money, right? Yeah. It's not investing money, right? Um, it, it's, it's planning your future and planning for success. And I thought it was, I bl it was, I, it blew me away, honestly, um, especially like, you don't think you have money until you realize that you can put away 50 bucks or a hundred bucks a week or a month, whatever it is. Yeah. And sometimes it's just saving to knock off debt, which I have a lot of people who are just out of school or like medical professionals or legal professionals where it's like, okay, I'm, I'm going to make good money in five, six years, but I got a hundred grand in debt right now. Yeah. Okay, cool. Let's tackle that. Right. So that's still a part of your plan, whether or not it's going to be used for long-term if it's meant for, you know, knocking off debt, that's pretty damn important too. Right. So, you know, that's huge. It's just, you know, getting started and then, you know, having a focus like for us on tax efficiency, right? So, you know, make your money work for you so that you can utilize it, you know, sooner. And when you do want to use it, you're paying less to the government, which is always nice. So that kind of efficiency in your planning, you know, is 
monumental, monstrous for like your long-term, you know, implications and income is, you know, yeah, I want to grow my money, but I want to keep my money too. Yeah. Right. So that kind of planning is, is huge. And that's where we focus, whether you're personal or corporate or a combination of them both is, you know, how do you make your money work for you, but work for you smart as well. Yeah. So, uh, just so everyone understands, like, you know, now you, you used to meet me at the gym at six. Um, <laughs> what's the day to day look like for you? I know this summer you got, uh, got out on the bicycle a little bit, but what, uh, what's your day to day? What's the typical day to day for Matt? Yeah. Like you said, like summer was nice. Cause I would wake up. I'm an early bird, just like you, like I'm the most productive in the morning. Um, so I'd be up early. I like going for my early bike ride. Now it's more so a workout or a walk, whatever it may be. Uh, maybe not good life now cause it sucks with that 10 person limit, but, yeah. <laughs> but I like to wake up early and I always time block my day. Time blocking. Um, yeah, like your days can very easily get away from you if you kind of just let things just happen as they do. Um, I find I'm most productive in the morning. I also find you're less likely to get bothered by people early in the morning. So get your most important tasks done. So I block off, you know, five time minute uh, time slots for, you know, emails, phone calls, follow-ups, planning, whatever it may be. So if I'm done, you know, 20 items by, you know, 1, 2 p.m., perfect. Now I have a couple hours that can be allotted for, you know, preparing for another meeting or meeting with one of my specialists, or if an emergency comes in from a client or they want to run some numbers, I have the time to do it without worrying about how it's going to impact my day. So I usually find, you know, structure my day to be as productive as possible, as early as possible is nice, given I do have meetings in the evenings or in the afternoons as well. But I find getting those important tasks done first is huge. Yeah. And then you're less likely to get thrown off track. You know, it's just something that goes sideways down the day. And then if there's a couple of tasks at the end of the day that didn't get done, that's the first thing I do tomorrow. Yeah. So I just, I make sure I'm always prepared. I don't go bef- like to bed before planning my next day. Uh, but I like the idea of time blocking, like down to the minutes. I know some people don't want to be that stingent, which is fine. But it's just, it's good to have it planned. Plus, when you know, when you're, you're going about your day and you're crossing things off a list and you see, you know, by noon I've knocked off 10 things. That's self-motivating to keep going as well, right? Because you're seeing how much you've done so far and like, okay, let's knock off these last five. As opposed to just having it in your mind and then being like, oh, I forgot to do that today. And that was pretty big. (laughs) Yeah. Like write it down, time block it, and then like kind of reward yourself by crossing it off saying I did this. That's such good advice. Um, I'm I'm working on that right now. I actually just – everything else going on you again i'm most productive in the morning get it all crushed out afternoon can be you know site visit or you know calling clients stuff like that follow-ups um so what advice would you give to uh to the young person you know trying to follow their passion or or you know jumping into something new yeah like it's you have to be relentless like you have to yeah, you have to be relentless. Like you have to like understand as cliche as it is, like you're gonna fail, but like you don't know what success is until you failed. So like it's a part of the process. Just learn from it, grow from it. Um, and kind of like what I said earlier, like along the way, like take a second to like appreciate what you've done so far, which is huge. Um, but like just believe in what you do, and you know just keep pushing forward. Like things are not going to be easy all the time, uh, but that's you know part of why you enjoy those good moments so much is because you overcome some hurdles. And then you're able to, you know, appreciate what you've done and the accomplishments that you've made. So just like I keep your nose down, be relentless. I love that. Well, thanks so much for being on the show, Matt. Yeah, absolutely. Um, again, guys, Guest Life Podcast, episode 18. Uh, we always want to ask the question, why not me? Why not now? Um, you know, you have to take the first step in, in any journey. And uh, guys like Matt are just a, a perfect example of hard work and, and relentlessness uh, paying off. 
So we're so happy to have him on the show and get some insights. Um, we've got all his uh, all his Instagram handles and everything. If you want to reach out to Matt um, from IG, if if you're thinking about finance or if you want to go back and look at some of his pictures where he you know looks like Hulk Hogan. Um, but uh, yeah, thanks so much, Matt. Your time is uh, is always appreciated. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. It's been a blast. All right. <laughs>